You are listening to the Green Lantern Corecast, episode number 115. This episode, Who Watches the Alpha Lanterns? Welcome everybody to the Green Lantern Core Cast. Uh, today we have a short cast: uh, myself, Brandon, uh, Andrew, Colton, and Eric. Yep. Um, forgive me for no quips, but uh, that's not the kind of guy I am. Um, today we'll be talking about Red Lanterns number eight, Green Lantern number eight, and uh, Green Lantern Core number eight, I believe. Um, but, yeah, but before that. We have a few nit, oh, wow, a few tidbits of news that uh, you might be interested in. Uh, last <laughs> week, a few tit nipples. I mean, of news. Yes, tit nipples. <laughs> because we news. all love tit nipples. News tidbits. News tits. All right. So C two E two was last weekend, and uh, not much happened, but. We were told that the uh, that Jeff Johns announced a Green Lantern annual for this year, uh, and it will feature art by uh, Ethan Van Skyver, and uh, it'll come out sometime after the uh, Revenge of the Black Hand arc, which follows the Indigo Tribe arc currently going. So there's that to look forward to. But uh, the more important thing coming out of C2E2 is, is that Ethan Van Skyver. You're going to have to follow me here. All right. After the announcement, Ethan announced that he's done with Firestorm, the book he co-plotted with Gail Simone since the start of New 52. Technically technically co-created. I mean. Sure. He co-created Firestorm. You can't see my air quotes. Well, no, he co-created the Fury of Firestorm, the nuclear man with Gail Simone, yeah. So he announced his departure from that book so he could, this is a quote now, draw some Green Lantern and finish this OGN that I've been working on. All right? That was Thursday. Here's what it is. It's Iceberg, dead ahead. (laughs) Firestorm has not been a a, a strong seller. But, uh, yeah, so apparently he left the book so he can, and, and Ethan's a notoriously slow artist, so... No, I don't think this surprised anybody when he said, I'm leaving to finish the work on the annual. But, but then came... What was that? A very fast commission artist. When he's drawing head sketches, maybe. Um, yeah, so Gail Simone, former co-writer with uh, Ethan on Firestorm, said that she's working on an uh, original graphic novel 
and it features art by Ethan Van Skyver. Now, this obviously intrigued me, so what I did is I ran over to Facebook and happened to notice Ethan posting Green Lantern art on his Facebook. And this is new art. And who knows if this is for the Green Lantern annual or this uh, new graphic novel that Gail Simone is working with. And uh, here's a quote from Gail. Uh, It is going to come out as a graphic novel, so it's going to be 90 pages. And the reason we haven't announced it yet is that we want to get more of it done before we announce it. It's really a lot of work to do 90 pages and have it ready all at once. But it's a huge story. There's lots of big, scary, horrific elements, the kind that Ethan loves to draw and that I love to write. And probably most of it's characters that you like. It's standalone. It's a graphic novel. It's not tying into the New 52 universe. This event could take place somewhere in time in the DCU. And that's all she would give. Um, If you look at the art, you'll notice that the only characters that we can uh, pick out are Jon Stewart, Superman, and Tomar Ray. But then again, it might be Tomar too, so who knows. Um, when asked about it on Facebook, Gail Simone said that, why do they think it's a Green Lantern OGN? And Ethan says, it's related to Green Lantern, but the interviewer makes a lot of assumptions. So chances are it's not what I originally thought it was, which was Earth One, Green Lantern. But uh Earth Two, Green Lantern. Let me, let me try or anything else like that. Let me chime in here a little bit. Now, this is something they've been talking about for years now. It's been a good couple of years, like on Gail's Facebook, on Ethan's Facebook, they're, they're, we're working together on a, on a project, and it was, it was actually shortly after that that Gail announced, like, and this was like shortly after she left uh, or was relieved of Wonder Woman, uh, she came out and said, uh, "Oh, uh, looks like I, I, I guess I'm going to have the opportunity to write Wonder Woman again." And this is like right after they were talking about working together. So I, it's, I don't know if it's Wonder Woman centric, but she's definitely in it. So, you th- oh, so we're assuming now. It sounds like it's just a general Justice League no, thing, kind of thing. General, I thought there was. A, I thought the. I thought the big push was Plastic Man. I thought she was saying for years she'd like to write Plastic Man. For years he'd love to draw Plastic Man. And finally, they got to work together. I thought that was the whole. I mean, not that I give a shit about Plastic Man. Like <laughs> they might be the only two people left on Earth who give a shit about Plastic well, Man. But if, if it's Justice League like title, it could have Plastic Man in it. I mean, they I could choose, choose their own league. Man. Yeah, but that's not maybe, what I'm talking. Maybe he's yeah. the main character, and it uh, happens to. Featured the whole DCU and some. Yeah, I don't. I, Plastic Man as, versus the DC Universe. That sounds about as entertaining as drinking acid, but yeah, <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. No, cool, whatever. I mean, I, I think that uh, she's a great writer, and I think that uh, he's uh, sometimes he's a pretty good artist. Um, so it could be cool. But I'd like to, I mean, I want to, I'm not going to get excited about it um, because there's a certain, I think there's a certain argument to be made, like, let's not always be. Who are the characters? Oh, I'm not going to read this because I don't care. Give a shit about Plastic Man. Or I don't give a shit about Wonder Woman. Like, if it sounds good, I'll read it. Don't get me wrong. It's just it's one of those like, yeah, but there's a certain amount of stigma. Like, what? Where's it going to take place? You know, if it's like a Green Lantern book, am I really going to be excited about it? You know, because who the fuck is she going to write a whole? I mean, there's no way her writing an original graphic novel about Green Lantern is going to make any difference in the short run and long run. So, um, I just rather know more about it before I get excited. Plus. As you guys have suggested, they've been talking about this for years, so I'm not going to think this is happening now just because they say it's happening, you know? 
claims to have been actively working on it, even like back in when Final Crisis was coming out. So it's definitely <laughs> grounded in the previous DCU. Unless, and I really, I really, really doubt Didi or anybody would go to Ethan and like, hey, I know it took you like three years to do those to do these ten pages, but we want you to redo them all because now it's a new DCU. Did you redraw that? Yeah. I mean, my yeah, it might just be. I mean, hopefully, it's some kind of added continuity thing. That'd be cool. Yeah, it'll just end up being like a new T Titans games. It'll just come out in like fifteen yeah. years when it's beyond relevancy. Yeah, <laughs> no one cares. And then you no, 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 no yeah. you, don't, you don't understand. By the time it comes out, the old continuity will be back in. I actually think Teen Titans Games is a good example. Teen Titans Games is a good example because they're like, it's finally released, and then you read it and you're like, well, this has no consequence. It's not that interesting, and it turns out the comics I loved when I was 16, I was foolish for loving. That's a, so I hope it's just like that. I hope it comes out when I'm like 50 and I look at it and I'm like, wow, Gail Simone is not as good as I thought she was. Either Man Skyver can't even draw anything without making it look like a bunch of feet tied together. So, I mean, hopefully that's <laughs> what happens. Hopefully it's so far in the future that I have lost all my appreciation for their work. But let's cross your fingers. And I, I'm surprised it took them so that long to get an annual for Green Lantern. I mean, the titles are going on nonstop. Like 2006, 2007. Uh, they don't do annuals anymore, and it's really weird because now they're doing a bunch of. They're talking about doing zero issues now for the 52s and uh, the free comic book day, and there's all kinds of extra stuff happening. And I'm kind of like, I don't know. That look looks like a little against the mission statement to me, but so did all the crossovers they started last month. So, wait, you're not down for annuals? I, I, I the mission statement is that there is no mission statement. <laughs> I just know it's fine. I guess it's just that it's like I don't know. Like I don't know who cares really because at least I don't know. At least in the Jeff Johns spectrum, who really cares? Because you know, as much as we all can look back on the Sinestro Corps and say like, "Wow, the the special that set that off was pretty good," but it was it was really only good because it was building up a story. Like it was all about setting up a story, you know. And then since that build up, since that one special happened, the story has not stopped. You know, regardless of any kind of natural heat death. Of the story, so it's kind of like, and they, periodically he'll do these one-off or two-off setup issues, you know. And they, you know, even if you get a sense like, oh, this isn't that bad, it's never as good as that, and it's never going to be because we know what the outcome's going to be. I mean, he's not a natural storyteller, so telling me that there's kind of a one-off stopgap issue that's going to be drawn by a great guy, but you're you're literally you're an artist who has, I'm sorry, you're, an artist, you're a writer who has who worked who's worked his entire career to destroy the single issue story, you know, not just creatively or editorially, because I'm sure that's what he's up to. Um, I'm sure he's been pushing it the same way, you know, Joe Quesada and everybody over at Marvel has been like, let's not do single issues anymore if we can help it. Um, but specifically just because the way he's written, it's like, there's no single issue that's ever going to be able to stand on its own. Like you're not gonna be able to pull out that annual in like 16 years and be like, Oh, this is the quintessential green lantern story. Like, no, this is the quintessential fourth part of, you know, the has an annual ever been that way. Yeah. 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 I mean, it used to be back in the day when annuals first came out, that was like their deal. Their deal was like, they were a special story that was a little longer and featured reprints and stuff like that. You know, I was just reading some old Marvel annuals and stuff and they're dope. Like, you know, it's like, oh, we have 60 pages to have Ghost Rider fight the Hulk. Do it, you know, and that's it's ridiculous, but whatever, you know, and, and especially if they're one off, they're great because you would you get you get an extra long story that doesn't need to be tied into any current storylines, you know, written by somebody who might not be writing it normally and draw and drawn by someone who might not be drawing it normally. And that's great. So, you know, best case scenario, you get like a really cool one off story. That you can go like that wasn't bad. Worst case scenarios, you're going to get what you're going to get, which is like, you know, part half number zero of, you know. The 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 newspaper core, you know, the return of the Newsboy Legion, but now as a cosmic entity or something, you know. Oh God! But also be murdered by rape monsters, like you know, because that's Jeff John's business too, right? Murdered I'm, by rape monsters in uh, not okay. so 
violent news. Um, just another t- tiny, tiny tidbit uh, coming out of C2E2. Jeff Johns also stated that for the Justice League fans out there, that we'll finally get to see Hal and Barry, uh, how they met sometime in the next 12 months or so. So, <laughs> so <laughs> they, they, they meet while Barry, but Barry's punching someone in the stomach if it's pregnant, and it turns to be Wally. Because- I just like, I mean, I appreciate. Okay, I remember a couple of years back, or last year, when they announced all this stuff was happening, and someone went up to Grant Morrison and at his panel and said, "Are you so you're going to tell you're telling me your new Action Comics run is going to be another origin of Superman?" And Graham Morrison's like, yes. And he's like, I've read the guy. The, this guy was like, I've read three origins of Superman this year that have all been published this year. Like, what? Isn't there such a thing as fatigue? And Graham Morrison gave him some stupid flippant answer, which didn't answer the question. And but I, I legitimately read all of those origins and liked them, so I didn't mind. But so I understand the impetus for a fan being like, I like these characters, I like their relationship, I want to see it again. But in the context of the comics we've seen. You know, if you read their interaction in Justice League number, I guess it was two, right? I think that's the where they first like met, and you get the sense that they met each other before. What about that would make you, as a brand new fan, be like, "I must know more about this interaction"? Like, you know, it just it didn't. I don't know. It's like it just to be like, "Oh, you're going to see how they met finally," which is like, you mean I'm going to see how they met for the hundredth time? Correct yourself, and you're just telling me like, "Oh, but the new context is going to be some boring shit that no one cares about." I don't know. Whatever. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm just bitter. I shouldn't be the one to ask about this. Sorry, I'll keep my mouth shut. Any other thoughts on Hal and Barry meeting? No? <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess we should talk about these comics then. Let's start off with uh, Green Lantern Corps number eight. Uh, Are you going to reverse order? Is that what's happening? There is no order. It's all, all right. There is only no continuity. Until we get part one of no War to Super Green Lanterns, there is yeah. no continuity. There is no continuity. <laughs> Only Zool. So this is, and it's like the cover says Alpha War starts here, but this is an Alpha War Part One. This is Alpha War Prelude no. to Alpha War Part One. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, are we going to get, get Beta War after this? Gamma, Delta, Phi, Epsilon. Yeah. Just just to make it clear, even though this storyline is the first part of a story that is a continuation of another story from last month, this is not the first part of the story, right? Just just to be clear, this is actually part half zero. Of a 17-part story we're getting. I right? just noticed Guy Gardner in the background of the cover. Is this the one that finally tells us what happened to Kraken? Oh yeah, she's back. She's I guess she's fine. Turns out she was fine. Yeah, turns out the, turns out nothing to worry about. She was fine the whole time. She just wasn't in the stories. Yeah, you kind of just get over the fact that you're possessed by an evil god. It just happens. Well, the crisis didn't happen, so she didn't get possessed. No, they happened. They just didn't happen. She, she, she was just yeah. in a shed for that week. I was under the impression they didn't happen because the continuity has always been they didn't happen the way we saw them happen because Superman remembers fighting anti-monitor. Superman remembers the sun going red, but he doesn't quite remember that you know his cousin died and he died and that kind of thing. You know. Well, um, for Green Lantern history's sake, the crisis had to happen. Otherwise, the guy guarded you know, would be, be fucked out the ass. I like to pretend that there's a big bubble of anti-bullshit around the Green Lantern universe. Well, there was. Right. There was for years, especially even if you read the old crisis issues, they kind of – they don't actually get involved. Like they send John Stewart off to get involved. John Stewart's the first guy there, yeah. And then everybody else kind of like has their own Green Lantern continuity. Like the main crux, if I'm remembering correctly, the crisis 
of the Infinite Earth, the first one, where the Green Lanterns was like they were going to blow up a moon that was somehow relevant, and that's what it was. It was like Hal Jordan and Guy Gardner fist fighting on a moon, and that's what it was about. And that's where Tomar Ray got killed by Goldface and stuff like that. So, but um, so it was relatively crisis proof. But in all fairness, if we're talking about that, then we have to talk about the fact that Guy Gardner was a murderer um, during the first like six years of his. Green Lantern career after he got the jacket and stuff, and that his role in the crisis was he was trying to destroy the universe and stuff. So I don't know if like I'm not really sure if they want to say that these things actually happened. But well, th- they finally cracked. Fifteen crises later, the bubble finally popped. Well, we had a discussion last month about. Uh, I'm not. This is not even to say like not even like oh, oh, oh we were talking about this and I told you so. But like we had a discussion. Oh, last, I dare you. This is we had a discussion last month about the. the the confrontation that Guardians had with Guy Gardner last month where he did you know, something completely unreprehensible and completely against the spirit of the Green Lantern Corps, and he explained it in the most silly way against a stupid straw man argument, and the, and the Guardians kind of gave him a thumbs up and told him to leave. And now it's clear that the Guardians in, in the, the larger context are evil and turning evil, you know, and like they're going to become evil eventually. Of course. You know? And so we don't really get a sense of that in this issue, but I think, it's, I think at this point we're supposed to understand what's going on in Green Lantern Corps. Uh, I'm sorry, New Guardians that they're they're evil and stuff because they've explicitly said like you know we eat babies now and stuff like that. Um, I do we remember, brainwashed the Ganthet for crying out loud. I do remember in issue five of New Guardians there was that shot of Saeed eating a baby. Oh wait, Saeed is nowhere to be found. Um, but yeah, uh, but there is a point in this issue where Guy Gardner is promoted to the highest uh, rank of all time in the Green Lantern Corps for being a malicious murderer that he's been in the last couple. Of months. If that's not a sign that they're evil, I don't know what is. Oh, you killed one. Promotion. I mean, I guess that's what we're supposed to pull out of it, right? I mean, that's what we're supposed to be getting out of it. They'll probably try to get him to uh, kill John as a kind of a symbolism thing. Kill him, and you prove your loyalty. Yeah, I think that's obviously where the story is going and stuff. And what a dick move to be like! It t- it's like you know, thousands of lanterns busting their ass to do this thing, and Guy Gardner just knocks it over, you know. And then like everyone is like, "Well, that's a dick move." And later he apologizes, and John's like, "Ah, no reason to apologize." It's like it's probably probably good reason to apologize, even if they all agree with him in the long run. It's probably good reason to apologize. Why are they keeping this thing around? Can't they just destroy it? Remember the last time they did there was a whole galaxy level explosion. No, I don't. It happened in uh, the Sinister Core War. I'm still iffy on the whole need for central power batteries beyond like the green one. Like I, I'm pretty sure they're supposed to gather their respective energies from across the universe into one thing, which can then link into sub batteries, which can then be used to charge. I just think yeah, they've, they've yet to. I get the sense that they're supposed to be this idea because the entities exist. There needs to be these creatures and stuff, but I don't know why. Just, I mean, not to be like, not to be like the guy who's talking about the exact opposite of what I was talking about a couple months ago. But if you're willing to kind of drop National Corps uh, prisoners who are defenseless out of a plane to kill them, why don't you just try to kill Parallax? Like, why keep this entity around at all? You know? Well, they're not around. Well, where is Parallax? No, they still have Parallax captured. I thought that was at the end of Green Lantern Corps War. I, I, I thought the whole thing was all the uh, entities flew off into the sunset. To like a '80s rock music or something. Yeah, I'm really hazy about what happened to the entities. Except for Parallax, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think I feel like Parallax. Was oh, oh, oh! What? Everyone else gets to go free. The, the hate <laughs> entity gets to go free and murder people, but Parallax gets locked up. I know the big, the big uh, <laughs> climax of Brightest Day was the white entity just kind of flew off into space somewhere. Yeah, but that's, we know that we don't know that didn't really happen. I guess, but that. Supposedly, that couldn't have happened the way we think it happened. So, yeah. The whole thing with the entities kind of annoys me because actually use them. Have lanterns, have them within them. Let them be like super lanterns. Use them in comics. Don't just have them exist and then fly off. Just reference them. I kind of want to say, though, in all fairness, that I like the idea of this storyline. I do like the idea of the Alpha Lanterns actually doing their jobs for once. I do like (laughs) the one time. 
Yeah, and I do like the idea of it being a contentious situation. I don't really agree with any of the specifics, though. And this is not even to be like, this comic is so stupid, because whatever. It's not – this is the best issue of this series, I think, in a while. Um, and just in terms of, like, understanding how these char- – like, actually building up characters doing stuff besides just being Guy Gardner jerking off in everybody's face. Though there is a lot of that in this issue, don't get me wrong. It's just, like, I don't really agree that – like, I mean, didn't we have the whole storyline where when, once John killed Mogo, all the other Lanterns thought he was just as – like, they were lumping him in with, like, keeping Sinestro around as, like, bad things the Guardians were doing. And for the Alpha Lanterns to be like, oh, my God, these guys are going to be so fucking pissed off at us when we arrest John Stewart. It's like, I thought they – they were kind of going to lynch him, not to be, like, uh, you know, provocative, but they were kind of going to lynch him a couple of weeks back when he killed Mogo and stuff, and now it's like and all of a sudden the Alpha Lanterns who are like I mean I I don't know where they got all personality from. I thought the whole thing is they had no personalities except for Boudica who gained her personality through an elaborate storyline, you know. But all of a sudden they're able to sit around a room and discuss whether it's important whether it's whether there's a merit to actually doing their jobs, you know, and it's like and why does I thought we I thought we established that all editors and writers tend to just ignore ignore whatever Tony writes. Then, for, but for this to work, then uh, uh, Peter Tomasi has to be ignoring what Jeff Johns wrote, which is where they're robots and they don't have personalities. I mean, they have a little bit of personality, but they like no one escapes the Alpha Lanterns just because they just they do their job, and that's why they were such a dangerous threat because they just did their job without compuls- without any kind of compulsion to do to, to understand what the context of the situation was, you know. And and how come they didn't go after Guy Gardner when he killed the prisoners and stuff? And I don't know. And why didn't John Stewart think that this was being recorded? Like, why didn't he report it? Because now he seems like an asshole who didn't report something that happened. When that's, knows. That, that's the thing. That's it, why they it, don't. It, it might have been justifiable if he tried to explain it, but the fact that he tried to hide it with all his recording rings around, you know. Yeah, I thought. I think it makes it look suspicious. Yeah, and it makes him look like a dick. Like honestly, like I talked about that before, where John Stewart comes off as a real piece of shit in this storyline because he won't own up to something he did. You know, um, and he, it makes, he deserves this. It makes him seem like an, this is actually a hundred percent something that should happen, regardless of whether or not you. I don't think the con- I think hopefully they, they they pull it out because they make a point to say oh obviously it was emotionally driven but it you know it was a, it was a premeditated act and stuff like that so hopefully they pull out like that John Stewart could have done something else but didn't um, they have to right like there's no way they're going to do just a bunch of stories of Guy Gardner punching robots and stuff but um, he says knowing that that's not true but you know like you know I mean they've got to do something else with it but 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 why didn't he think this was going to happen you know. I mean, I, mean, you know, like, he, I think the thing is he didn't think. We talked about it. Us as, as fans multiple times said they, it's been inconsistent, but like the rings record, don't they? I mean, isn't this something that they'd all see? I mean, you know, multiple lanterns were there. The lantern, the like, he died. His ring flew off. Presumably, there's a recording of how he died. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, there's been times where that hasn't been the case because it's not in continuity anymore. But the original story of how Sinestro got his ring is because he allowed a Green Lantern to die. In order to keep the ring and stuff, so you think that would have been recorded? So the recording thing hasn't always been in continuity. It, it, it's it's a new update to the rings. So it's kind well, of. Then, how about we just assume that John didn't expect Salak to be looking at all seventy two hundred lanterns and. Yeah, but he didn't expect to see. He didn't expect Salak to record the death of this lantern that they had a funeral for. I mean, well, he's going to overlook that's that. That's why they file reports, though, right? Because you don't watch every clip. Yeah, but you don't need to file reports that the rings can be downloaded and stuff. And presumably, Salak's not the only one watching this stuff because the Alpha Lanterns. But Alpha Lanterns is, <laughs> Lanter- is that what they say in the first? That's how they got it. Like Salak brought it to them because I thought that's I mean, the Alpha Lanterns' no, job. Salak's job is to be the butler for the Guardians. Right. So I thought they established that Kraken was sitting in a room watching all the rings. They all were watching it. Right. They came across this information. So that's their job to monitor these rings. So they don't need to make reports. I don't think it's their job to monitor the rings. I think it's their job to monitor the the lanterns. They're the police of the police. 
The right. situation just happened to call for them to watch the recording. Not, it's just not. It's not a normal occurrence for the Alpha Lanterns to spend their time watching the death of another Lantern or necessarily what a Lantern did on Mission X or whatever. No, sorry, I don't, yeah, I, you could be right that they don't. They don't. They don't make it clear either way whether this is something she just sits and does all the time because she's on duty for it, or this is something that she did because you know they needed to. He was killed and stuff like that. That's that's totally fair. I just think it's like. John Stewart would have to assume someone would go like Internal Affairs investigates every shooting, you know. So I'm assuming Internal Affairs would investigate every single time a policeman is killed, you know, I mean, just to see what's going on, you know. I mean, that's that's got to be standard case one, you know. So why didn't he think this was going to happen? You know, he, he didn't even try to. Hey, like I said earlier, mistakes. he didn't think. Yeah. He wasn't thinking about his actions. But it's I don't care if he. It's not. In the, you're talking about later, you know. You're talking yeah. about. You talk about well, how, how bad would it look if he went back and said, "You know, I kind of lied on that report." I think uh, this is a perfect <laughs> example. Um, Bobby Petrino is a football coach. Just got caught dead ass lying to you know because he told the truth on the report, but he lied to his boss about it. So it's just like, yeah, you got fired for that shit, yeah. like because no, you went out of your way to lie to us. That's fair. I just think the consequences would be a little bigger, and I think that'll probably come up at some point. Someone will probably say to John, "Why didn't you? What you knew this was being recorded? Why didn't you say anything?" And it'll probably, you know, it'll probably be like, "Oh, he subconsciously wants to be caught." You know, like I'm sure they'll explain it later. It just it kind of seems like a big enough hole in the story that I mean, that's not to be like beating a dead horse. And I'll let you guys kind of go on about the issue after this, but like, um, uh, you know. It kind of this is kind of like what Green Lantern's been like to me. I think this is like, and we've read a lot of them. It's, we've all been doing it for years now, and I think this is kind. This is maybe the most inconsistent, even considering the Batman titles where everybody reboots it every three months. This is maybe the most inconsistent world building of any major franchise in comics that I've seen, you know, in a long time. I mean, even Superman, when every time every time they introduce a new Kryptonian character, all Kryptonian history changes. But there's an effort to kind of rationalize what's gone before. Whereas in this, it's kind of like I feel like every month. There's a new piece of information added that's ignored at whim, and then another piece of information is added that's like actually that makes everything else that's happened completely different. You know, like yeah, it, it, it gets to the point where you 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 would think they would have a rule book by now, and yeah, yeah. And, oh, like, something or just a, a set like a, a, a pyramid type of thing, so you could see the structure and know what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, and I think there should be a specific effort for the editorial to get down and be like, listen, we need to establish rules because and it seems like oh it's going to limit us but it's not like the stories are really controlled anyway and i think you could do with a little bit of limiting you know i mean i think like I, i've complained before that i think now at this point the green lantern corps is a fascist organization because they don't operate as policemen do they operate as you know um a military does that doesn't mercenaries and militaries that don't respect articles of war and that's that's what because that's what they've been doing since since um tomasi and, and johns were kind of co-writing the titles and stuff and it's been wishy-washy for a long time but now it's been i mean last last month was explicit in this title where he was forgiven for what would normally be a total breach of of all ethics in any kind of organized um peacekeeping and or war oriented force um so I think it could do with a little bit of clarity, you know, because even when the Alpha Lanterns showed up, they kind of treated them like they were total assholes. And the fact that they re- they brought the Manhunters back, and you're talking about six years ago, right? When, whenever this fucking storyline showed up, when Grant Morrison invented the Alpha Lanterns and Jeff Johns retroactively introduced them into the Green Lantern Corps and stuff, like this is a long time ago you're talking about. So at that point, why didn't anybody scratch their heads and, you know, like, hey, Guardians, you're bringing these Manhunters back? I mean, it just seems like they're all sitting on their hands. And it's brought up in this issue repeatedly. Guy Gardner is like, you know, 
I, you know, it's enough that Sinestro's in the core. Why do we trust him? Yada yada. And everybody kind of dismisses it. It's like, no, he told it. He he's changed. It's like it's not about him changing. I mean, he's he's um, he's not. He's worse than a mass murderer. You know, it's like, you know, why follow these guardians at all? It's just it's all it's all a little. They need they need structure. They need clarity. And I was going to bring this up when we talk about the the cartoon episodes too, because it's an episode that's all about that. You know, that they have the structure clarity that doesn't actually make any sense. You know, it just needs consistency. There needs to be like a Green Lantern secret files and origins where you see what the Alpha Lanterns do every day. You see what the Green Lanterns have to do every day. You, you see what the capacity of the rings is. You know, what exactly saps the rings of energy? You know, because it used to be unlimited for 24 hours and now it's like no they run like a gas tank you know so the whole having to recharge it every day you don't like because i don't have to fill my car up every day if i don't drive it i don't use it you know so the gas just sits there for a couple of days you know um but so i don't know whatever they, they need ground rules because because so many of these and i'm rambling a lot and i'll stop in two seconds i swear but so many of these stories kind of hinge on the ground rules like this this is gonna be a whole storyline about the ground rules of what green lanterns can and can't do what Alpha Lanterns do or don't do, what Alpha Lanterns do to punish Green Lanterns, because this will be the first time we've ever seen a Green Lantern. Um, we saw a trial once. Lyra had a trial. but um, Hal had a trial. By the Alpha Lanterns? Oh, right, 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 in Final Crisis, which might not have happened. But, you know, we saw them do some trial-y stuff, but we've never seen it taken all the way to its logical extreme. It's always like, Green Lantern shows up and kill them, or, you know, uh, turns out you're great goodness and stuff. You know, just typical stuff that it really does happen to judicial trials, you know. Often I <laughs> Yeah, I always tackle my uh, attorney. <laughs> like, often I complain that the, uh, the prosecution is, in fact, a new god. <laughs> I actually – the other day I was getting arraigned for a parking ticket, and I jumped the um, prosecutor during the closing statement, and I punched her in the head a couple times so she couldn't think. And the judge applauded me. He's like, nice thinking outside of the box. Get a <laughs> nice thinking outside the box. But I got a medal. So yeah, either way, um, yeah, exactly. Please continue. Good show. Yeah. I was just going to say – well, We should, we should probably explain it. Yeah, it was a good issue. I think I enjoyed it. Um, the art was definitely very, very good. Fernando Passer, and it's very nice to see him back on the book um, after that one issue absence. Um, and the bar fight was cool. There's a there's a problem, a tiny problem I had with the bar fight. Um, guy says no rings, and then like you look at this one panel, and this one guy is like charging his ring and shit. It's just like, what are you doing, like? This is in the middle of strangling somebody. I think that guy needs to be uh, investigated. But other than that, I thought it was a solid issue. If I could interrupt for one moment. Uh, this kind of gets back to what Eric said about the rules of the ring and stuff. I, I, I'm still in the mindset that like the rings have like the automatic force field. So it's like if, if he says no rings, but they're still wearing the rings, they would still have It'd work anyway, right? yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, they've never really established, like, presumably you can punch out. I mean, a Green Lantern if you're fast enough, you know. You've seen it happen. I mean, but but yeah, it's never been really clear. It, it, it's just kind of funny if you this whole issue is like both John Stewart and Guy Gardner are horrible people. They're murderers. They're criminals. They should both go to jail. But one of them, Guy Gardner, is being promoted for being unmerciless in his killing, while John Stewart, the one guy who feels bad about it a little bit, even though he's still a murderer, is the one who's going to get in trouble about this. Yeah, I mean, I want to hear what you guys think about that because obviously it's conflicting, and I think it sort of is deliberately so. Like I said, the Guardians promote him, and we we know the Guardians are shady, so we know that this is a shady thing. It's obviously just setting it up so the next story there's some contention. We know that they're replacing the Green Lanterns in another couple of months, that this is going to play into it. It'll, it'll be, I guess, maybe another Green Lantern versus Green Lantern situation, or maybe they're setting Guy Gardner up for the fall. I mean, who knows? You know, But there is a certain amount of, like, we do know that Tomasi has the biggest raging bone. Oh, he has a dripping ice boner for um, Guy Gardner. 
Um, and so this might just be his way of being like, yeah, we invented the Honor Guard just to make fans feel better about the Earth Lanterns, and now I'm inventing the Super Duper Guard to make myself feel better at Guy Gardner. I mean, I want to know what you guys think about this. Do you think it really is just story-driven? Do you think there is a certain element where Peter Tomasi is like, I, I have not finished all my lube yet, so I want to <laughs> no, rub it. No, I, I think it's story-related. Story it's, story it's absolutely story-related. No, I, I agree. I agree that it is. It's it's set them up and knock them down. are on the precipice of going mad or whatever they're going to do. Yeah, and this yeah. like but do more maybe they're trying to set him up to actually corrupt him to their side, to make him one of the third army, whatever that is. Right, exactly. I mean, I definitely think, yes, I definitely think this is the prelude to a kiss. I'm just saying, like, yeah. there's a certain amount of wanking going on. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> They'll try to execute him, and they'll make a guy one of the guardians, like they did John back in the day. The art was kind of cool, though. You know, and uh, I like the Alpha Lanterns. I think the Alpha Lanterns should have. They should like they did with Green Lantern Corps. Just every couple of months, do like a one-off, two-off issue that shows what these guys do. I like that idea. It, it, it just really feels like they're really underused. I mean, there's so much potential in the idea; it's just a waste. Especially because the Green Lanterns are all autonomous. Like I've talked about, like oh, well, breaking the Articles of War, yada yada yada. There's got to be if if Guy Gardner and John Stewart and Kyle Rayner and Hal Jordan and Sinestro can get away with so much shady business and no one calls them on it, it must be because the Rings are no no matter no longer automatically adjusting behavior. So you would assume the Alpha Lanterns actually overworked. You're like you know seventy two hundred guys in the galaxy that can do anything they want at any given time and don't get investigated till later. You would assume that the Alpha Lanterns are like busy. I mean, why not show more stories about? I don't know. Why not you have a couple of stories about that actually shows them doing stuff? You know, besides this, you know. I'm surprised they haven't gone after uh, Kyle yet. Going rogue on all that, that. You know, like yeah. I mean, that would be a cool little story, right? Like an Alpha Lantern, like guys like focus on one character, Alpha Lantern. Like they'd sort of with Boudica, be like, oh, this this guy's like the hot IAA agent, and like he's conflicted because he used to be Kyle's friend, and now he's after him, yada yada. But I don't think that's another thing too, because. Guy Gardner lists a huge bunch of shit that happens, and he keeps flashing back to Kyle in his head. And clearly this is taking place concurrently with the Green Lantern comic. But is nobody aware that Kyle has been excommunicated from the core? Like, you know, he yeah, has, I think someone would have brought it up. Maybe I mean, not. obviously – so. I, I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. Hal, Hal Jordan can't really bring it up because he's not even part of the core anymore. He's just kind of lacking around. But you figured, you know, someone would bring it up. Even, not, even Sinestro to make a bad joke because he's kind of a dick. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's kind of like I – mean, obviously, the Kyle storyline is taking very place in a very short amount of time. But still, you think there's a certain point where they, they – even the Guardians would say, hey, don't talk to Kyle anymore because I know he actually co-owns the bar with you. You know what I mean? There's got to be a sense where they would have communicated this information. Maybe that will happen at the end of the Alpha War storyline. I don't know. It just seems like a big enough deal that they should kind of address it. I mean they have to be somewhat concurrent because look at uh, – Belize disappears and her red lantern stuff happens. She comes back. Acrylla's going off for his little Green Lantern affair, and then he's coming back. Yeah. I mean uh, Monk's leaving for his uh, Indigo it's, stuff, and he's coming back. It's not like Guy hasn't been busy. No, that's true, but he – it's just they, they, they know certain information. Certain information is getting transmitted. You know, you, you figured the Honor Guard would have heard something about this. The Honor Guard is like three people. Exactly, but they're high up three people. You think they'd at least heard one mention about Kyle, one of their own, going rogue? The only people who know are the Guardians and Salik. Yeah, but Guy Gardner runs a bar. I'm just saying he does run a business with them. I mean if you ever run a business with somebody, you notice when they're gone for a couple of weeks. Anyway, anyway. I think we should move on. Yeah, um, let's hit uh, Red Lanterns number eight. Um, obviously, uh, we're doing this. Yeah, let, let's throw it in the trash can and see how hard we can get it in there. Um, obviously written by Peter Milligan, uh, not drawn by Ed Bennis, who's left the book. He's done. He's gone. Um, this is the last issue before 
the new art team of Miguel Sepulveda jumps on board. Oh, and uh, you said, who was this? I thought this was the new team. Okay. No, no. Just, yeah, who's, who's, the, who's, the, who's the temp team then? Uh, Andres Guanado and Jorge Jimenez. So the TNA is leaving the building. This team wasn't too bad. I mean, I didn't it, was uh, it was it was reminiscent of Ed Bennis yeah. for me. A transition uh, team. Yeah, I mean, you could hardly tell he was going because I mean, when when Belize shows up, there's ass to be seen. Uh, it was a it was an okay issue. I didn't really have too many problems with it. I was a little disappointed to see. Uh, Atrocitus get up from being impaled so easily and then have him do nothing for the rest of the issue. I figure if you're going to, you know, fake kill Atrocitus one issue, you just, you should probably just put him down for that entire issue. And it, not... It's kind of hard to kill Atrocitus given the fact that he's had his heart ripped out and just got back up. Well, they knew that when he stabbed him. <laughs> and, and they thought it was done. He thought he was done. You know, so apparently you stab any other organ running around in his body and that'll I, kill him too. I, I would just assume that he was more uh, more surprised given the uh, particular photo he was facing. Maybe he thought like his zombie monster child has some kind of special power or something. I don't know. I didn't write it. <laughs> you didn't? Damn it. Colton, that's the only reason you're here. Um, <laughs> I'm here for the interview. <laughs> No, I, th- I think it's it's still interesting to see uh, more of Jack Moore uh, as a redliner, and I think his thought process provides um, a nice secondary tale to what we usually get from an Earthliner. And it's, you get to see the like every emotion he's feeling. The confusion is rampant, actually, and I, I think that's the crutch of this series. Now, it's not Atrocitus and uh, haunt, haunted by uh, Krona, or what is he going to do with his life anymore? Now it's all about this Earth Lantern. I mean, this Earth guy becoming a Red Lantern and and the adjustment. And I think you know when he creates the giant blood beast at the end of this issue, it's like, what the fuck is going on here? Like no other Red Lantern goes through this kind of shit, and I think that that, that makes it a lot more interesting. Um, he doesn't seem to be the normal Red Lantern who just throws himself immediately into the hate. He's trying yeah. to fight it. He's trying to keep himself, which well, is which, not, which leads to a very interesting uh, setup where he's wept some moments, he's like snarling with rage, but at other points he's able to control himself long enough for some conversation and actually trying to work things out. It's kind of interesting, really. I mean, yeah, if I thought, if I thought, if I thought it was motivated by anything other than just trying to keep you know, a level head for the st- – if it didn't seem so uh, blatant in what it was trying to do, which is normalize one of these guys, I'd be, I guess, a little bit more into it. But yeah. Well, that's that's what the whole series has been about, normalizing the Red Lantern. I, I have some pretty core problems with this whole issue and storyline. It's just like I, uh, I don't – I feel like we still don't have a grasp of like any of the Red Lantern origins, like about their <clears> – about Yzmalt or any of that stuff. I don't really know what they're doing. I don't know what their overall mission statement is. I, mean, I guess they kind of showed it before, where they like they hunt out people with rage and help them out and possibly give them rings. I guess, but I don't know. And here it is. It's like the end of the Red Lanterns. Oh my God, the Red Lantern Central Power Battery that they never seemed to need before is now being corrupted and dissolved. I, I don't care. And the Jack Moore thing is kind of interesting, but I'm, I still find it difficult to get too invested in. But 
it makes sense why he's there. I mean, he's, yeah, he's the window, and uh, oh my god, how is it to be a Red Lantern? But it's just not interesting to me. I don't know. Nothing about this is grabbing me. I'd rather learn about more about the Red Lanterns before it's like, oh my god, they might die. It's how, how why would I care if I don't even know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think the whole making them into intergalactic punishers is sort of a cop out, and I kind of said that a million times, and it it does sort of ignore a lot of things that Atrocitus has done. Um, just for the sake of convenience. And I was kind of hoping they wouldn't. I was hoping that Peter Milligan would figure out an angle that wasn't just, you know, they're like the Punishers in space. You know? well, I, I kind of thought that's what they're going to do, is be the Punishers in space. But even from that, they're kind of they're kind of not doing that. I mean, I don't know. Hmm. The end. The end. Brandon? I think Brandon got cut out. That's probably all it is. You think so? Oh, that would, that would yes, be a problem. I think so. That would be problematic with our... Post. All right, so the next issue we got to talk about is Green Lantern number eight, which is, I guess, part two. I can't even tell of the Indigo storyline. Um, Andrew, what did you think? Uh, I, I, honestly, I didn't think it was too bad. I mean, it's the bits that we learned about the Indigo tribe are interesting enough. Uh, it's ne- nice to see in the flashbacks that most of what we thought we knew is still intact. I don't know, just a neat piece of the overall storyline. Did kind of bug me that he's making Kyle Rayner constructs. Doing that a lot lately. <laughs> they, they finally, like Jeff Johns, has finally ad- admitted, like, okay, yeah, the whole thing about he just does what needs to be done. Yeah, bullshit. He, he's getting more creative now. Yeah, that's boring. Turns it, out it, I was totally wrong. <laughs> it, 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 it took it took him about what, twenty, thirty years, but he's finally learning how to use his imagination. Yeah, yeah I think a, a motorcycle equals Kyle Rayner and no, his giant look, Gundams. Look at look at the motorcycle. It's like all. Oh, and, and, and how about how about trying to figure out where he is? He creates one of those mall maps. It's like you are here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, my biggest problem with this issue is I feel like it didn't add anything to the story at all. I don't think there's anything that happens at this issue that couldn't have been told at the end of the last issue because all we really have in this issue is Sinestro escapes, uh, brutally murders some guy, uh, gets back in his cell, you know, and then by the end of the issue he's he's transformed. We don't even get to see the transformation process. We just get another Sinestro costume. Yeah. I, I escapes. And then gets back, you know, and then, and then we were actually, we talked about this in the other cast, just to interview really quickly, but, um, Hal is shocked when he finds out that Abin Sur is somehow involved and that Indigo was one of his worst enemies when he's been given this information already. I mean, we knew this, it wasn't like, we didn't find, we kind of already knew this, that Hal, Abin Sur was somehow involved in the creation of the Indigo Corps and that, he's in there fucking uh, yeah. yeah, and exactly, and then, and then how Indigo was somehow opposed to him, but now works with and now is kind of into him. And we already knew that. But we didn't know that from pro- crossovers. We didn't know that from, like, um, captions or narration. We knew that because it happened in story to Hal. So Hal just hasn't been paying attention for him to be so shocked yeah. about this information. Yeah. What, what is this? What is this? The big thing's like, hmm, so you say Abin Sur has got something to do with the Indigo tribe. Yeah, hmm. and it's like, exactly. So, so this issue is a total time filler because he escapes, gets caught. Sinestro just changes his costume, and Al Jordan relearns information he already knew. So this is really—it's a huge waste of time. What do we? The only thing we really figure out is—is is, and Hal apparently thought Black Hand got lost at the end of Black Hand. I thought the—I thought he knew they took him. I thought that was part of the deal. I thought it was like they have him now. You know, I don't know. Hal wasn't paying attention, like you said. I think you had it right. The first thing you said. I mean, this, there's with better, tighter writing, this easily could have been compressed into the last issue, and that would have been actually a better story overall there. Rather than just, I think when I read the last issue, it was like, yeah, it felt like a great like quarter of an issue, and because nothing much really. Happened. Yeah, especially and especially because last issue ended the same way 
uh, last issue started the same way the storyline before it started, which is Sinestro shows up and says, Hal, you got to join me. And Sinestro's like, and Hal's like, no way, Sinestro, I'm going to kick your ass. And then Sinestro beats his ass and drags him anyway. And then at the end of the story, it kind of drops him off on Earth. Just show up again moments later, like, all right, you got to come with me again. No way, I'm going to beat your ass. And he kicks his ass and drags him off to another adventure. Why not just have them maintain the adventure? You know, why not just have. You know, you already – it's not – I mean you want to get him home to do something with Carol. OK, fine, but figure out a more organic way to start the story again than just doing the same thing you did uh, before. The, 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 whole, the whole setup is Sinestro really screwed himself at the end by giving Hal the gimped ring because Hal can't seem to do anything with it. Yeah, I think the art is great though. I think this – there's a little bit of an inking issue here, um, but Doug Monkey, it's – you know, for all we shit on this title, it's kind of like – you know, he's. I think he's a great artist and stuff. And he's. There's like multiple anchors, so some of the lining work is really thin. Doesn't, it was doesn't really, bad. really, really, really scratchy and like a lot of the splash pages. And because and if you look at if you look at uh, the the panels where Hal is is leaping and stuff, his stomach is contorting and growing. It's disgusting. Well, I think that's the thing is Doug Monkey draws this really elaborate and almost gross-looking art, but he's really refined it in the last couple of years. But he draws this really elaborate art that's really impressive considering the schedule he keeps, but it really is only effective with an inker that like accentuates it, like learns where to put the dark lines, where learns where to put the light lines. If you just have a guy who just puts a light brush over everything because it's easier and doesn't want to delineate, then you run into trouble. And it's probably because, like I said, Doug Monkey draws so elaborately. i, I got to assume he hands these pages in kind of late, and they're inked. As they can be gotten, you know. So a certain a lot of a certain fault for the bad inking isn't. You can't really necessarily blame the inker because the reason they're pulling in four inkers is to keep a schedule up. So there's a certain amount of like, okay, well, we're trying to keep this third week schedule, so we have to get this title out. Uh, it doesn't look that great, but what's the big deal? So, but still, it it, it doesn't. I don't want to excuse the inkers. I'm just trying to be magnanimous today. Where normally I'd be like, fuck them, draw your do your job, dickhead. But you know, whatever. I mean. It just it hurts Doug Monkey's art, and he's he's probably I think the most I don't want to say he's the best. He's probably the best guy who's kept the same. I mean, he's had one fill-in issue in the past like three years, you know, for this title, and I think it's he's done some really really great work on this title. It's almost like Jeff Johns even made a point at one of the conventions. I think he said, "Oh, he's drawing a cover of Black Hand coming out of a grave. That's like the best cover he's done in years." I'm like, that cover is total garbage. It's an amazing piece of art that's head and tails above every other. Like cover you see on the stands, but compared to his work, it's total garbage. And to think that like his piece of garbage work is like some other guy's best work, I mean that's Doug Monkey in a nutshell. You know, like you know the shittiest thing he draws is a hundred times better than like the cover right next to it. But so I hate to pick on the art, but I don't know. It's almost like I don't give this guy enough credit. I wonder how they do the how do they do the green constructs? Do you think? I mean, it's kind of a stupid question. I think we talked about it before. Did they just the colors just go over the inked lines with green and white? Somebody here has to have experience with coloring comics that I don't know anything about. <laughs> but uh, I got you know it's interesting to me because like how does he draw? It? Does he does he ink it? Like does the inker come along and then ink the constructs and then someone comes along and just colors over the inking? Yeah, they, they've got to be coloring over the inking. Like they'll take the black line work and make it green. So yeah, we also got to give a little bit of credit to the color the colorist thing because it sounds like they have to do more work. the editors are all over. They're very consistent with the green. Big enforcers of uh, the company policy for coloring green constructs ever since the movie. I know Brandon. Ha- yeah, right. I know Brandon hates this issue because Carol doesn't show up in it. That is slightly disappointing. Yeah. And you might hate it even more because not only does she show up, but she doesn't do anything that demeans herself. Because I know when you, I love, not when you <laughs> love when that happens because she somehow managed to spin in her being a feminist. But yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. I, I I enjoyed this issue for the most part. Um, it, it was a slightly repetitive of the the last art, but 
I don't know. I think it, it's going places. It's just going very slowly. Um, I like how better now since Sinestro took over the title. I like how better now than I've liked him since, since, since Jeff Johns started writing. 100% he's a much better character because Jeff Johns doesn't feel the need to not write him anymore. Because now that he's writing him as a sidekick, he, he starts to write a personality into him. I just want to say that because I've ripped on Hal. I've been ripped on Hal for two years. Turns out I don't hate Hal. <laughs> I don't like how it's being written. So yeah. you, 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 you don't hate Hal. You, you hate how Jeff Johns writes the main character. He doesn't like Hal in the spotlight. He's like, like I'll go see a, a Paul Giamatti movie and hate it, but God damn it, he was so good in that uh, TV movie on HBO. Yeah. That just proves <laughs> that I'm not a hater. I'm just an arbitrator, I think is what it is. Yeah. The, what, I, what I'm waiting for for this whole thing is to finally figure out uh, the exact details on what, what Abinster did in all this. Has he really just been going around brainwashing people before he died to create his own army? I mean, have, have these... Have these other uh, cores, or at least the power behind them, got started that much earlier. If he, if he, if this has happened before, Hal was even on a lantern. No, I, I think, I think it doesn't go to that far extent. I think yes, he was brainwashing people, but no, it wasn't for some new army. I think it was just you know because he wanted the universe to be a safer place. It's like Sinestro's uh, goal was to slaughter everybody, you know, what? Uh, and make them fear. Abin Suez just said, no, they can just be. You know our subordinates. Yeah, at, you know I'm I'm start I'm starting to see why Avin Sir and Sinestro were friends. You know I could say yeah. You know I think I want I do right. want to say that I yeah. obviously you're talking about questions that you're supposed to be thinking about when you're reading the story. What's Avin Sir's deal? Hey, what's the deal? I don't think they've really established Avin Sir's character enough besides a lot of offhand, non vague statements about him to kind of be really twisted by it. It's kind of like in episode two when it's like Master Sifo-Dyas ordered this army. Like who the fuck is Sifo-Dyas? Well, it doesn't matter who Sifo-Dyas. He's a cipher. So I feel like, which is why his name is Sifo-Dyas. But um, I feel like Abin Sur is kind of there where we're supposed to be kind of shocked that Abin Sur did this. Well, who the fuck is Abin Sur? You know, and not only that, but I think I would be more excited about it if I thought it would be something more interesting than just some kind of costume change. You know, because I feel like by the time they find out, they're going to figure out some kind of way to make it just Abin Sur doing one thing that kind of does it. Because all the big reveals, quote unquote, in this series so far have been. Not as very well thought out. Yeah, when, exactly. When Sinestro becomes a Green Lantern, that should have been the huge. And Jeff Johns even said, "Oh, that's what I was working for towards for years." And we all kind of knew that because it had been hinted a lot, and then it started being directly told every single time there was a prophecy. Someone was saying, "Oh, Sinestro is Green Lantern." Yeah, and he's going to be it again. And and so it became really obvious. But instead of kind of really justifying the story, he just made him a Green Lantern, and then said to all the ancillary title guys, "You guys work it out." Like you know, and then they never did. They were like, "Well, I'm too busy to do my own thing." And so I think that's kind of like whatever. I want to say, though, that I don't know if we ever mentioned this before. It seems weird that like the purple ray for the Amazons, that used to be their big thing that healed people and it also would help to rehabilitate people. And it's kind of weird that it's like a really obvious thing to do. Like the indigo is purple and it's like you can kind of work that into the same mythology, have it something to do with these outer forces. Because we know, you know, when Gail Simone was writing uh, Wonder Woman, she made it very clear that the gods were actually kind of just these advanced aliens and stuff and you could really work that out it seems like a missed opportunity to kind of like well if he's using an indigo force to brainwash people and rehabilitate them he's using the purple ray that the amazons used to use in the 40s so uh, just i'll just throw that out there because it's not going to happen well wonder woman is very compassionate that's assuming that this. Jeff Johns ever read a Wonder Woman comic. Right, and that's also assuming that Brian Azzarello that would that would that would only exist that would only exist in a world where Brian Azzarello didn't just throw Wonder Woman's entire history into the garbage last month. So yeah, yeah, no um, purple rays, the, no purple rays in the rape murderer universe anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like, can we get some general thoughts on the comic before we move on? Love, hate, I appreciate. 
I liked it. It just seemed like a, another brisk read. And... It, it would have been better if there was more to it. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to go back to all these stories when I'm like, this, this, for some reason, I'm talking a lot about when I'm 60 and reading all these stories today. When I'm sitting back and I'm 60, I'm going to go back and be like, oh, these aren't as bad as I thought they were, you know, like like the way your dad reads Avengers comics now. And he's like, oh, these aren't as crappy as I thought they were. I'm like, these are shit, dad. Like, I'm sorry you don't know this anymore. But you're looking with the rosy glasses. But, but there's a certain amount of like when I'm not so intrinsically involved in the fandom of it as I am with this podcast, I'd, I'd probably be able to forgive it a lot more. But I did hate this issue. So, yes. <laughs> Well, um, I guess we should move on to our uh, Green Lantern animated series talk. Um, yeah, a lot of episodes. Yeah, and I'm starting to feel like we should probably break this up in the next week's or next episode. Well, we could. Because or... it's like four episodes. So we'll, we'll do it fast. Um, I think we left off on... Mogo doesn't, doesn't socialize, a.k.a. Lost Planet. Yeah, Lost Planet, right. Um Following the Princess Ayalande episode, or was it Alande? Island forgot already. Princess Island. They said Ayalande, which is the worst, the laziest pronunciation because it's just pronouncing it. That's not fair. You just read it. Like you, you can't just pronounce a word the way it's spelled. Just don't right. don't be phonetic. That's lazy. Uh, Lost I didn't Planet. Like this, I didn't like this episode because of the way it started. I didn't like that they were they were like, they landed on a planet. Well, this asteroid was going to hit the planet, and they were like, oh, let's get in front of it and push it. And I'm like, just go to the side of it and push it. Like, it's on a yeah, trajectory. Yeah, just yeah. fuck with the trajectory. And, exactly. and, like, and their argument is like, oh, our rings don't have enough juice for that. And I'm like, but the ship is a battery. Like, you don't need to worry about that. If you run out of juice, just get it right from behind you. And if the ship is so powerful that it can it can, it can string, it can you be used as a power battery for your rings, just use the ship. To move the fucking thing, like it's just that was a huge plot hole for me. And plus, I didn't like all of a sudden Kilowog is now regulations. Like I feel like he might have mentioned the word regulations in the other eight episodes of the show, but now for some reason he woke up out of bed was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna. Just, today is about regulations. Like I'm gonna. <laughs> it's 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 regulation Tuesday. It's regulation Tuesday. And and the lo- it, it, the logic is astounding because this planet is about to be destroyed by an asteroid, and, and Aya is like or Aya, whatever her character's name is, she's like. We can't uh, stop, save this planet because there's only two of us. Or, I was like, "What?" Like that's her logic. She's like, "There's, there's two, and it's like, oh, there's a Green Lantern on that planet below. We got to save him, and we got to use him to help the Red Lantern Corps." And Aya's like, "Oh well, we can't save him because that would waste our valuable time, and we might die." I'm like, "What? What is your mission then? <laughs> aren't you supposed to save people? One, and aren't you supposed to find more Green Lanterns too? Like, what's the argument? It's going to take you five hours to go to the planet and find the dude. Like, you're such a fucking Aya doesn't know any better." Yeah, but then she's then new. Picks her up, so it's not. Like, it's you know, and he's like regulations. We can't just go. I'm like, what's the regulation? What am, am I the only one that's bothered that it took uh, two Green Lanterns, a ship, and all that stuff, and they still couldn't barely just delay that meteor? Oh, and the best too is that they lost. Like all the Green Lanterns lost. Like you know, they. I mean, it was cool to see. It was a pretty like, big asteroid. No, I mean, they're, they're Green Lanterns. They should be throwing that asteroid into the sun. Just like I, you know what they kind of established that. They haven't established very well, but they have established that the rings aren't very strong. And this is a pretty good argument for it because Kilowog gets into that extended fist fight with the guy with the spear, and he does nothing but make stupid decisions about what he's supposed to do with the ring. Like, dude, just fucking grab him with the ring. Like, just make a bubble around yourself. Like, you're fighting a dude with a spear, but make instead, a bubble around his head. Well, he, 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 he lost a lot of energy trying to move the asteroid. Trying to delay the asteroid. Charged with the ship. So. Here's, here's my main question: How do they protect one thirty six hundred of the universe with rings that crappy? 
Uh, you know, I think it's – I it's like it. It just makes it that they have – they have. it's sort of like – it just makes it that they have like a, a, a work suit that a rescue worker has that also has a gun. You know, like you have that big utility belt that you see in EMTs and you see on policemen and stuff. It's that, but a little more cosmic and a little more ridiculous. And that, I, li- I like that it's so de- depowered because I think it does create a lot of drama, but it's really inconsistent. Like I, I, normally I was going to complain the same thing you guys with the power levels, but then at the end of the episode when they latch onto the ship – and they do like a sharp turn, and they make all the lanterns crash into the rock. And I, initially, I was like, "You guys are fucking idiots! Just detach, you morons!" Like that's your line. Like, but then I was like, "Actually, that's cool that they establish limits. Like they can't always thing can't be instantaneous because then it makes them a little too powerful." So you know, the Green Lanterns all get their asses kicked the whole episode, and then are rescued by Mogul the Planet and stuff. And I don't know, it's kind of one of those things too, where like they don't establish where the Mogul could help them fight Shard. You know, it's kind of like, okay, thanks, Mogul. Later, like, presumably, Mogul can't leave orbit, like the old, you know, Alan Moore story. But there's a certain logic to like every single time they find a new Green Lantern, the fucking asshole has some excuse to sit on his ass and not help them and stuff. And it's like, it's it's a little frustrating and stuff. But and obviously, um, the other significant bit about this episode is that we get the first appearance of Saint Walker. Um, I like this iteration a lot better. He's a he's he's a cliche in this. He's the monkey. He's Yoda. He's the monkey. <laughs> he's Rafiki. Yes. Yes, exactly. Like he's he's the typical like he's the, like the Goku in Journey to the West. Like he's the monkey. He's 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 Yoda. I like this a lot better than the kind of fanatic passive aggressive the fanatic passive religion. Well, it's yeah. it's implied religion here as well. I think it's more like a Buddhist kind of like yeah. Kind of thing, you know, and that's cool. I rather than Mr. Miyagi, and so, and it was actually cool how if you're not a fan, he gets introduced and you're a little confused about what he is, um, and then they don't clarify by the end of the episode, they you know, come, uh, like they just leave him on that planet and he's happy with it. Yeah, you know? I think Razor doesn't even mention the guy. Yeah, they even talk about the guy, and I think <laughs> that there's a there's a there's a bit where it's like where he get where he shows him the ring and he drops it on his chest and he's like, I'm not the lantern, you know, you got to find him. And this is a cool kind of like it's sort of an obvious arc, but they're going to this arc. I thought they were suggesting this like Razor becomes a Green Lantern arc, which I'm not really a big fan of the Razor character, but we do have to kind of accept he's really the main character of the show, so you got to kind of accept that. And I like that introduction information, like that would have been a cool idea. But once you realize the show's about Mogo, it's it's about Mogo. <laughs> Um, I guess we can move on to the next episode uh, entitled Reckoning. Reckoning. The Reckoning. This is where Razor, uh, quote-unquote, betrays the Green Lanterns so he can go return to Atrocitus and the Red Lantern is back on Shard. I like this episode. This this is definitely one of the better episodes of the show so far, I think. Um, It kind of... My big complaint with the show is that there there's, there wasn't a lot of direction and they weren't really sure what to do. And I think when they lock into – this is kind of an easy episode to do in terms of their relationships. We know who all the characters are. It's a little obvious that Razor would be wanting revenge, and it's a little obvious that Atrocitus killed all his friends and family and stuff. But you know, So they go for kind of the easy hooks, but it, it's I think it's the most effective episode so far. I think – it's a little stupid at the end that Atrocitus, like, for some reason, like, you know this guy's powered by rage, and you're telling him things to make him angry as opposed to just kicking his ass like you could. And um, and they also do kind of establish why Atrocitus is so mad, which I kind of appreciate that the show is treating it like something you don't know as a fan, you know? Like, most people watching the show, I'm sure, are kids or people read the comics, so they sort of already know. But I like that they're treating it like new information and stuff. It does kind of... They actually do imply that... They actually mention the inversions and that basically saying that his sector was wiped out, even if not those exact words. Yeah, they, they, they shot from violence as as uh, they, they even changed the Red Lantern over. 
definitely choose the oath of Lightning. Which I kind of – it's actually funny because the only line – I hate the Red Lantern Oath. I hate all the oaths that uh, Jeff Johns wrote because they're bad poetry because um, you can't read – if you read them aloud, you have stops and starts you know, because you can't just have – it's just po- – writing poetry is hard. Even cheesy like comic book science fiction poetry is hard. It's even harder, you know. Um, but it, all the oaths – but I actually like the rip from a corpse so freshly dead. It's a horrible line, but it's may, maybe the only thing I like because it's so ridiculous, and they changed it. But I kind of like that they changed it because for me that just – I know they're changing because they don't want to be so violent, but I like things that snub Jeff Johns. That's just, that's just me, you know. <laughs> and obviously, these guys don't vomit or bleed, and they're not, you know. Well, Ra- right. Razor finally did after his after getting remind told that he that atrocious basically killed his wife. Yeah, I think it's he, cool. he vomited hate out of his mouth. Yeah. And that's another thing too. They call him Atrocitus, and we always called him Atrocitus because that's how it's spelled. But I was actually hoping his name would be pronounced again a little less. Net- Sinestro is Sinestro. He's not Sinestro, you know, but <laughs> you keep saying Atrocitus, and it's not Atrocitus. That's not how you're supposed to pronounce it, but that's a better pronunciation, even though it sounds more like atrocious, you know? There's a reason that we don't say – when we see the word atrocious, we don't say atrocious. Like, that sounds like a fucking moron. So Atrocitus – like, throwing a T in there doesn't make it any cooler, but – um I think an atrocitus design is the same, but for some reason he looked better in this episode, I guess, because they kept showing you his teeth, and he looked really crazy in this episode. But, um, uh, you know, and, you know what do I, it's kind of like – not for nothing, but if the main villain of your season gets completely defeated by like your tertiary character in the middle of your season, it kind of makes the bad guy look like a punk. You know? I, I think it, I think it was supposed to go all uh, all uh, all emperor on us, strike me down, and I should become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. I, you know, I would not even mind that as a nice twist. You know, halfway through the season, Razor kills Atrocitus and takes over the the red line. Force him to become evil. Because like I said, Razor's the main character and stuff. And it's funny too because is down and she's like, Razor, we got to go because if we don't go in this very second, we're all going to die. Even though it's like that's not true. You're only telling him that like – basically you just wanted to tell him that a fleet is on its way, which I thought we already knew. But and if, like, if you killed Atrocitus, that fleet might not come. And so yeah, I don't know why that information is so important. And it's supposed to be like we're, we're doing the, the kids cartoon thing where it's like it's bad to kill someone. But they don't establish why. Like – What's their end game? Are they going to capture Atrocitus? Because if they have him at their mercy, capture him, grab him. Like he's unconscious, grab him. Like he, just use your construct powers and grab him. Like, you know, you know what? What they should do is when they finally realize the show is going to end, just have that last episode not be a kid show thing. Just have them rip out Atrocitus' heart, just toss it to the ground. It's like I'm out. They're going to hopefully, I believe they're going to wonk out this storyline at the end of the season. I don't think we're going to have more than one season of Atrocitus. Uh, hopefully not, because he's not that compelling of a bad guy. Well, I'll mean, we'll get Sinestro eventually. I'm sure. Well, right. speaking of Sinestro, uh, the next episode, the most recent episode, is uh, entitled Fear Itself. Right. And uh, it's seemingly all about Sinestro and the power of fear, but minus the Sinestro part. Also, Kilo getting his walked. So, yeah. Uh, Kilo's getting his groove on. They're using the red element, I mean, sorry, yellow element, which they kind of use in the cartoon movies. But this, this and the other episode do kind of establish that this isn't. A continuation of because you can kind of get away with this could be a continuation of almost any um, Green Lantern, Green Lantern, you know, like yeah. the cartoon or the movie. But this one, they're kind of like Hal doesn't know what the yellow element is, and he doesn't know why it makes him crazy. So there's no yellow stuff. So I mean, but presumably Sinestro's done stuff because we're past the stage of Sinestro in his traditional storyline. So, but I mean, what are you gonna? Do? Well, this, this could be pre-Sinestro Cora. Him. I never, remember, yeah. remember back in the day, the original Yellow Ring wasn't really fear energy. It was just uh, him taking his charge with a, new, a different type of ring. Yeah, I think I at this point, it's really clear that they're going to make Sinestro the focus of season two. Yeah, they're probably going to fall back on that once once this, if this show gets renewed. Um, they're probably going to fall back on that as kind of like the, the crux 
of whatever. That's fine, whatever. I mean, you know, I'm not like – it's not like Sinestro himself is such a compelling villain that I need to see him and stuff. And I appreciated this show not going down that route, but what are you going to do? I mean, especially if you're just going to introduce a villain who's just a generic cosmic villain anyway. So, But I didn't really like this episode. I think this episode follows like a lazy kid's – TV show format. They go to a planet where there's like six people on the planet. They're having an altercation with dudes. It turns out those dudes aren't evil. Everybody hugs at the end. I think they've also done this story only three times here. I feel like every time they land on a planet, they always meet someone, assume something about them, and they're wrong by the end of the episode, and everybody hugs. <laughs> oh, and, and, yeah, and yes, they, they, never get, they never get a new lantern out of this. They just uh, leave that person behind and fly off. Yeah, yeah. Br- break, the, break them all a little. Give your girlfriend the ring and have her come along. It'll change up the status quo a little. Yeah, and it was cool to see Sinestro – I'm sorry. It was cool to see Hal and Kilowog go at it, um, even though Kilowog got his butt kicked again by Hal. So, like, why are you – you're the well, big – Well, remember, remember, he wasn't being very rational. He was kind of out of his mind. Even when he was being – that doesn't – I don't know. You're gonna, it's, it's, Kilowog gets his butt kicked a lot on this show. I'm just saying. If you're the big guy who knows – you're the big guy who's been on the team, especially at one point. I think it was in the first – I think it was actually in the the Lost Planet. But you know, the bad guy match just happened to say to Kilowog, like, oh, how's your leader? He's like, not really the leader. It's like – um, by all estimations, he couldn't have been Green Lantern more than like a year. He absolutely should not be the leader of this mission and stuff. But yeah, especially since Kilowog at this point is the is the drill sergeant of the Green Lanterns. I liked, I liked them referencing Kilowog's planet being blown up, though they don't really tell you why. I like them referencing, um, which I'm sure is another Sinestro thing. Right? They'll kind of introduce that's when Sinestro shows up. It's like you blew up my planet, dig face, you know. And like, I liked being a character that looks kind of like Kilowog. I think that's a little bit more confusing than necessary because. Um, her species is so close to Kilowog's species, it's like, you know, they had to do it because you have, you have to assume they're going to bone and they have to be biologically compatible and stuff. But she's way too close to the point where it's like, you know, um, I was just, I mean, if I wasn't, if I didn't know that his species, he wasn't, the, if I didn't know he was the last one, I would have just kind of assumed that those were. It, it could be like a cousin species, like an offshoot that went off it, into space. It must be. But I like the idea of Kilowog having to go back for his girlfriend. But otherwise, this, is, this was definitely out of the three. This is definitely the worst one. Eh, if, if, if no, no one our luck, Hal just end up uh, making his own moves because he can't let anyone have happiness. And I like how Kilowog's his first point, his first rule of contact was grab, uh, twist, and throw. Like that would work on everybody. <laughs> you know, like any <laughs> just grab, twist, whatever you're grabbing. Plus, there's the bit where. Kilowog throws one of those things, and he throws it like 16 miles, and he's not using his rings. They establish that he's super strong. And then later, he just punches Hal in the head, and Hal's like, cut it out, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> uh, maybe. Kind of a generic episode. Not really not really that interesting. It was nice to see Hal freak out, though. I think they were trying to be like, no, no, he only got that freaked out because the rings made him scared and stuff. And it's, I guess it's the opposite of the typical. I mean, we're not – it's not like yellow doesn't institute fear. It's people use it, and they get, like, depending on ETH events, depending on whether or not ETH events is involved in the plotting, they feed off of fear, <laughs> they just kind of exist, whereas, like... Well, know, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's always going to be the, whatever the situation is. Like, with how he was on a defensive, so, yeah, you know, he was and they, fearful. Yeah. And they established the yellow energy, it makes you crazy, it makes you evil and stuff, so there's... A different element to it, you know. Like Sinestro was a bad guy before he got the yellow ring, and this is implication that whoever wields the yellow, whatever, becomes a dick. Yeah, I think that's, be that'll be the 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 thing to look out for is how they connect this random planet. That did you like? Did, did, uh, Andrew, are you watching this? Did anybody like? Did anybody... I haven't seen any episodes of the Green Lantern show at all. Oh, yeah, uh, Brandon, did you like this episode? I don't know. Why I'm asking you questions. You don't exist half the time. All right. Um, I guess that's it. Yeah, this is probably the other podcast. I have to edit them now because Brandon's fucking mic. Hey, hey, hey. That yeah. time I just muted myself. You son of a bitch. 
<laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I enjoyed this episode. I think I thought it was okay. I, I like you said, I enjoyed Hal versus Kilowog. I thought that was a really good thing, and I enjoyed the Norman jokes for a little bit. Um, it's it's nice to get Hal in a joking mood where it's not playing off a of some serious serious situation. Um, yeah, and like I was saying, it, it'll be really interesting to see how the writers, you know, advance the show. Like like uh, the other DC show out right now, uh, Young Justice, and how that's uh, continuing uh, continuing to escalate things uh, with each episode. I think this series needs that. It needs that that big yep. jump, and uh, I guess what am I looking for? threat and i mean the red lanterns aren't really a threat at this point they're just and and that's that's essentially the problem with this series is that we don't know what their purpose is right now it's not exactly recruitment and it's not exactly i mean because they have contact with the guardians so essentially you could just go home and get back up so at this point it's really unclear and they just need to ramp it up for it to be a truly great show but now it's it's cute it's a cute show it's yeah. better than Thundercats. Oh, you know, I think too. Is there an establishment that are they sending communiques back to the um, Guardians and it's not getting there, or it's going to take so long to get there it doesn't even matter? Well, there, we they, we saw him talk to him not too long ago. I think it was the episode right before the Mogo one. I thought they didn't because uh, that was the whole thing. It takes them so long. The only thing they're like two years out or whatever. It's almost like if they're well, two I, years I, out, I, then what are they so just, afraid of? The process you know, getting there, you know. Huh? Yeah, that that may be keeping them from going back, but uh, I'm pretty sure they got messages out to them. I don't remember. I know it's also it's funny too to think about it because it's like, you know, oh, the interceptor is a one of a kind. It's like, why is it a one of a kind? <laughs> and also, it's like if they're they're so concerned about a trust that it's getting there, what's going to take a fucking guy two years to get there? So, I mean, though, I guess they want to nip it on the butt, but whatever. It's, I'm not really loving the show, but you're right. They need to escalate it, and make it a little bit more serious. I think um, reckoning was a, was a step in the right direction, but you're kind of. You've kind of covered all your bases now with that character. What else are you going to do? Oh, we didn't even talk about the subplot where Aya tries to rewrite his oath um, nicely for him. I thought that was a good bit. And then he's like, oh, it worked. And then it did not work. I thought that was pretty cool. And then well, you know, it, the, it would have worked had he not been a liar. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that's the, I think the case was like he like pretended it worked. And then he like later was like, yeah, that wasn't going to work. He, he was just trying to make her feel better of sorts. I think that's what it was. I and, and that's why it would have worked. And like, does he cares enough to make her feel better? So, you know, he just he, she's just trying to improve the world, make it less vile day it's by fine. day. I think it, I like that bit because, like I said, I think she comes in and is like, I can help, do it like this, and he's like, Oh, it totally worked, that's great. And then she leaves. He's like, Wow, yeah. I mean, I was nice to her, but I still got to do. It. And actually, it's funny because this is where the CGI limitations of the animation came in, right? Because the actor does this. What he's reading, and he gets a little choked up. You know, at the, at the end, he's like, and he like doesn't like overdo it. Like, he just like gets a little choked up as he's saying it. And the animation on the face is just Razor making the same grimace and then stop. <laughs> and it's almost like uh, you could probably could have done a little bit more with the CG. I don't know, like some kind of emotional acting. You don't have to actually have a single tear going down the face like everyone else, but you know, whatever. Don't, don't have to see him see the the trash hitting the ground near the forest and just the single tear dripping. Or down. just yeah, every single female when they cry. Anytime they have an emotional moment the comic book single tear than the side of their face how do you get one eye to cry like you know what are you terrence howard like that's ridiculous <laughs> and even that motherfucker just what is that a reference to terrence howard in that swimming movie has one eye cry and it's like it's like the actor cry where you just keep your eye open long enough and it tears and that's the only way to get one eye to cry and i don't like terrence howard so uh i just wanted to make fun of him. 
Okay. Well, um, it's been a great show, guys. Uh, we've talked about three comics, uh, a graphic novel, and three episodes. So I don't need to talk to you for another week. Uh, it's been real. <laughs> well, that's friendly. Uh, stay green. Stay green. Be sure to check us out at www.thegreenlanterncore.com. You can also email us at contact at thegreenlanterncore.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the GLCore. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash GLSpotlight. You can reach our voicemail line at 313-GL1-2814. That's 313-451-2814. Thanks for listening and check us out next time. And please stop masturbating when I'm talking to you. Be sure to check out Kirby Crackle performers of our opening theme, Ring Capacity, at www.kirbycracklemusic.com. Also check out the Roy Clark Method performers of our ending theme, Sector 2814, at freeweb.com slash Roy Clark Method. I have this magic ring. It is the color green It can do anything Sometimes it speaks to me It says how What have you done with your life